Good morning. It's uh, good for us to be home again from Guatemala. We bring you uh, greetings from Jeff and Crystal. Um, let's turn in our hymnals for an opening song to number 200. <clears throat> Song number 200. I owe the Lord a morning song of gratitude and praise for the kind mercies He has shown in Number 173. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Good morning to everyone. Welcome to our service here this morning. A special service for these young folks here. And we, we welcome our visitors here uh, with us. A special welcome to those of you that will be baptized here this morning. We want to encourage you in your daily walk with God. You're surrounded this morning by family, God's family. So just relax, there's nothing scary going to happen here this morning. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. I'd like to read uh, the entire chapter. Very good basic instruction for, for us as God's children. Some of the basic things of life, who we choose as our master, makes a difference where we go and what happens in life. So let's think of our own walk with God as we read through this chapter this morning. Is this describing our experience or do we need to confess and repent and learn what it means to experience what Paul is describing here this morning? Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in, in, to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye yourselves members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or 
of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that we were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Very good instruction here for all of us who are serious about walking in Jesus' footsteps. As, as servants of Jesus Christ, we are giving our bodies as tools in his hands to perform his work, to accomplish his purposes. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's wonderful to work for a master that is kind and loving and gives us light burdens to bear. We also see here that when we become servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bear fruit unto holiness. Thirdly, when we are the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an eternal perspective on life. And to you young folks here this morning, keep that in mind. In the next number of years, you're making, here this morning, you're making one of the biggest decisions, the most important decisions you'll ever make in life. But in the next four or five years, you're going to make many more decisions that will affect you the rest of life. Keep an eternal perspective as you make decisions in life. It will help you to choose right from wrong, to choose the best from the many good options that are before you when we think of eternity. Jesus is a kind and loving master and you will do well to, to follow his word, to walk in his footsteps. And we as a congregation want to welcome you to, to be part of us. We want to encourage you to help you and we expect you to encourage us and help us. May God bless you this morning. Shall we stand for a word of prayer? Our Father, we thank you this morning with deep gratitude in our hearts for young people that are stepping forward and want to be part 
of your family to be part of this local body of believers. They want us to hold them accountable to the commitment they're making here this morning. And Father, we want to show them what it means to, to follow you and learn from them and help each other along life's pathway that we all can someday spend eternity, eternity with you. Father, I pray for each heart and life here this morning as we reflect back on the time we sat where these young folks are sitting this morning, that we would reflect a bit, Father, on how faithful we have been to you and the commitments we've made to you. And Father, if there are those here this morning that have never made this kind of a commitment, Father, we just pray that you would speak to those hearts this morning that souls could be won to your kingdom here today. We commit this service to you. We ask you to bless Leon as he leads out in the baptismal service and Sam as he preaches, that you would guide and direct in each heart and life here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'll quickly go through a few announcements and give you the order of the service. Uh, there's no service this evening. We have uh, Girls Club Tuesday evening and prayer groups Wednesday evening. And I'll just give a minute for anyone that would have an announcement that you would like to share. Does anyone have an announcement? There's a few birthdays this week. Uh, Gerald Schrock has a birthday today, I think. And Charity has a birthday. Jay uh, Stolzfus and Fred and Mel have birthdays on the same day. I think there's a few years in between. But. And Junior and Florence are married 29 years this week. Okay, the order of the service, we will have another song here in just a minute, and we will lift the offering during that song for Mennonite Air Missions, and then Leon will be in charge of uh, the baptismal service, and Sam will preach, and Sonny, is Sonny here? Sonny, would you close the service then? Um, okay, Joe, could you lead us in another song? Turn in your hymnals again to number 271. <clears throat> number 271. O Lord, within my soul,
Good morning, everyone. This is a special occasion, and I'm glad to see the house so well filled. Baptism is a, an ordinance to show publicly something that has already happened in the hearts and lives of these young people. They surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ by faith, and He has saved them, is saving them ongoing. And so it's a, it's a special landmark in their lives to, to be a part of this public expression, to give this public testimony. A baptismal service is a, is a, a good time of review, as, as Rich already mentioned, for all of us, because the vows that they make publicly here and that many of us have made at some point in our lives are vows that need to be made daily that are part of living the, the Christian life, a life of following Jesus, of saying no to sin in the world and saying yes to God and His Son, our Savior, and to God's people, that we're not part of that, but we're part of God's God and God's family. Those thoughts, I think we're ready to begin the baptism service. And see if it is working. Is it working? All right. Now the first questions that I have will be to the to the group here, to all five together, so they may stand together. And the first question is, do you believe in one eternal and almighty God, the creator? and preserver of all things, visible and invisible. And do you believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God, the only Savior of mankind, who gave His life on the cross a ransom for our sins, so that through Him we could have eternal life? And do you believe in the Holy Ghost, our ever-abiding Comforter, sent from the Father and the Son to sanctify our hearts and to guide us into all truth? All right, you may be seated, and we'll begin with uh, Hannah, if you will, come forward. Carnal will and simple desires. Yes. 
And do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of his Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Jesus Christ, to his word, and to his church, and to be faithful until death? Yes. Can you convene? Uh, Gerald, I'm sorry I didn't get you up here. Is it not? It is not. Well, let's go to plan B. Pardon if you can just be comfortable there a little bit. And uh, this is a little more awkward, but we can make it work some way. Upon your confession of faith before God and these witnesses, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray? And I want to mention to the congregation as we pray here that I am leading in a prayer and you are all praying with me. And maybe your thoughts will and your prayer will venture out into things I don't mention. But this congregation will be praying for, for each of these people as they're baptized here and prayed for. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Hannah. We thank you that she has surrendered and devoted her life to you and that she is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. She is your child and we pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would nurture that spiritual life in her heart and that she would grow and bear spiritual fruit and grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ she would be filled with power to live a life of victory and over temptation and sin. And we pray, Father, that, that, she would, that Satan would be defeated in his efforts to lead her astray, guard her against the evil one. And we pray, Father, that her life could be one of joyful service to you and effective service for your kingdom that she would find much joy and fulfillment and pray that at the end of her life that she would meet you in heaven for all eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hannah, in the name of Christ and his church, I give you my hand. Arise. And as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so shall you walk in newness of life and as long as you are faithful and abide in his word, you are his disciple and shall be acknowledged as a member of the body of Christ and a sister in the church. God bless you. Okay, Charity. 
Charity, are you truly sorry for your past sins? I am. Do you renounce Satan, the world, all evil works, and your own carnal will and sinful desires? I do. And do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of His Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Jesus Christ, to His Word, and to His Church, and to be faithful until death? I do. Okay, can you? <clears throat> Charity, upon your confession of faith before God and these witnesses, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Charity. We thank you for her testimony, her commitment to you and that she is among the redeemed. She is your child, saved by the blood of Jesus. We pray you would fill her with your Holy Spirit, that she would experience your presence and your power in her life to become Christ-like, to live in victory and joy. We pray you would guard her from the evil one and his efforts to distract and defeat and destroy her. And we pray, Father, that you would bless her life of service as she follows you and that her life could be a testimony and a witness for you in the church and community and wherever she goes. And we pray, Father, that when her life is done, she would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And enter the joys of eternity with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Charity, in the name of Christ and his church, I give you my hand. Arise. And as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so shall you walk in newness of life. And as long as you are faithful and abide in his word, you are his disciple and shall be acknowledged as a member of the body of Christ and a sister in the church. God bless you. Michelle? Are you truly sorry for your past sins? I am. Do you renounce Satan, the world, all evil works, and your own carnal will and sinful desires? I do. And do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of His Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Jesus Christ, to his word, and to his church, and to be faithful until death. I do. Okay, you can kneel. <clears throat> Michelle, upon your confession of faith before God and these witnesses, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Michelle. We thank you for her testimony, for her commitment to you. We thank you that you loved her and sent your son for her salvation, and that she is your child. And Father, we pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit that she would experience 
the power of the Spirit in her life, that you would nurture spiritual growth, that in her thoughts and words and actions that she could reflect Jesus. And we pray that she could be strong in the face of temptations that will come and discouragements. We pray that her life would be one of victory and joy as she follows the Savior. And we pray, Lord, that you would protect her from the evil one in his efforts to destroy her life and testimony. And we pray that her life could be one of effective service for the kingdom, a testimony of the difference that Christ can make in a life, and that she would, that she would have joy and serve joyfully in the opportunities, service opportunities you bring her way each day. And we pray that at the end of her life, she would be with you in glory for all eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Michelle, in the name of Christ and his church, I give you my hand. Arise. And as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so shall you walk in newness of life. And as long as you are faithful and abide in his word, you are his disciple and shall be acknowledged as a member of the body of Christ and a sister in the church. Clayton? <clears throat> Clayton, are you truly sorry for your past sins? I am. Do you renounce Satan, the world, all evil works, and your own carnal will and sinful desires? I do. And do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of his Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Jesus Christ, to his word, and to his church, and to be faithful until death? I do. Okay, you can kneel. <clears throat> Clayton, upon your confession of faith before God and these witnesses, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Clayton and for his testimony of faith in you. We thank you that you have redeemed him, that he has been washed by the blood, and that he is following Christ. He is one of your children. And Father, we pray you would fill him with your Holy Spirit, nurture the spiritual life in his heart. Fill him with the power of the Spirit that he could live in victory as he faces temptations and trials and discouragements and that he could grow spiritual fruit and become Christ-like before you and before man. And we pray, Father, that you would protect him from the evil one who would have designs to destroy him. And Father, we pray that his life could be one of service in the kingdom, that in his following Christ, that you would bring opportunities his way every day that he can bless others and that his life would bring glory to you. And that when his life is done, that he would 
join you, his Savior, in heaven for all eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Clayton, in the name of Christ and his church, I give you my hand. Arise. And as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so shall you walk in newness of life. And as long as you are faithful and abide in his word, you are his disciple and shall be acknowledged as a member of the body of Christ and a brother in the church. Okay, Corin. <clears throat> Corwin, are you truly sorry for your past sins? And do you renounce Satan, the world, all evil works, and your own carnal will and sinful desires? I do. And do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of His Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Jesus Christ, to His Word, and to His church, and to be faithful until death? I do. And can you? <clears throat> Corwin, upon your confession of faith before God and these witnesses, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Corwin and for his testimony, for his commitment to you. We thank you, Father, that you have saved him. That he is your child, one of the redeemed. We pray, Father, that you would fill him with your spirit. That you would give him power to live in victory over temptation and discouragement and trials that are a part of life. That you would nurture in him spiritual fruit, that he would become... Christ-like in His thinking and doing and speaking and service. And we pray, Father, that You would protect Him from the evil one who would wish to distract Him and to lead Him away and draw Him away from Christ and life. And we pray, Father, that His life would be one of effective service for the kingdom. As, you, as He follows you, as you guide Him, and as you bring opportunities for service and testimony His way, and that He could be faithful in all His days to you, and when His life is over here on earth, that He would join Christ and the saints in glory for all eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Corwin, in the name of Christ and His church, I give you my hand. Arise. And as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so shall you walk in newness of life. And as long as you are faithful and abide in His word, you are His disciple and shall be acknowledged as a member of the body of Christ and a brother in the church.
And then after this song, we'll give these young people opportunity to come here to the stand and give their testimonies. So we'll have the have a song at this point. Turning your life songs to number 145. <clears throat> the song is written in the first person. Starts out years I spent in vanity and pride, and it's uh, the first three verses are basically a personal testimony where we once were, uh, confessing that uh, God's word uh, showed us how we needed the cross and our response to that call from, from God. But especially verse 4, I've, I've always moved when, when I sing that. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great, grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me at Calvary. <clears throat> Number 145. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Thank you. 
When I became a Christian about two years ago, a load was lifted off my shoulders because I knew I would someday see Jesus. I know my life would be hopeless without Jesus, who takes away my sin and guilt, and I realized that more and more as I read my Bible and pray. Jesus loves me so much, he died on the cross to save me, and I'm so thankful he's a part of my life. I'm looking forward to being part of this church and joining the fellowship and communion. I'm very blessed to have the supportive church to come to and worship God together. I want to thank for my, my family for loving me and showing me the right way, and Sam for teaching us instruction class. It was definitely an encouragement, and I know I've grown since we started. I know I'm not perfect, but God is still working on me, and he is with me all the time. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am grateful, so grateful to be here this morning. Most of all, I'm grateful for what the Lord has done in my life. I have peace with God, and I'm very glad that I can be a part of this church. These are some verses that mean a lot to me. Psalm 138, 7-8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine hands. My desire is to have the hand of the Lord over my life. Thanks for showing your support by coming out this morning. It means a lot. I've struggled a lot with my doubt, with doubt of my salvation, but especially starting instruction class has really strengthened my faith. A helpful verse for me to remember when I'm struggling with doubt is Jude 1, 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. I want to claim this promise for, my, for myself. I'd really appreciate your prayers for, for my growth as a Christian. My desire is to be more like Jesus. I became a Christian when I was 10, and I've seen Christ's redemptive power in my life. A few things that he has helped me with is anger, purity, and pride. I want to learn to be more like Jesus in the way I go about my life, making so that I am a better witness for him. I am thankful for my godly parents who have taught me about Christ and have supported me in my wanting to become a Christian and to join this church. Also, I am thankful to God for saving me as I realize that without him, I would have been lost no matter what else I had tried. Romans 1.16 states the motto I want in my Christian life. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth.
I accepted Christ when I was 12, and I've had many stumbles and falls, but he has seen me through. I want to thank Sam for teaching us. It was a blessing, and I've grown through that. I know what this step means of baptism, but it is a big one, and I will need your prayers, help, and encouragement as I follow Jesus. I do want to serve God faithfully, as Samuel did. He knew what he wanted to do, and he said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I want that to be what I say when God tries to tell me something. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Thank you, young people. Appreciate those testimonies. You know, there are some parts of, of a baptismal service the way we do it that are a little formal. And the, um, the um, I don't know what you call it, Milo, the little formula we go through and the questions and so forth, they kind of, you know, just on a piece of paper, they can look sort of cut and dried and even when they're said. But um, they, they make a structure that we, so we have, so nothing is missed as easily. And, and when we are earnest in it, then there is life in it. And, you know, when I was, I was standing facing the young people and their backs were toward you, but to see their, and you saw them as they gave their testimonies, and you saw their earnest faces and their sincerity. And, and that's a real, real blessing. And now we want to, uh, we want to encourage and, and bless these people. I got a, a couple of emails recently. I don't know how I got on this email list from some little trailer company that makes trailers like you pull behind pickups and so forth. I never bought a trailer, never shopped for one, but these, these uh, emails began showing up recently. And their slogan uh, was kind of catchy, we're behind you all the way. And we want these young folks to feel that kind of support from us. And uh, I told them the other day that, you know, God is on their side. We are all cheering for them. And we want the congregation to take opportunity at the end of the service. Maybe Sonny can remind you of that. Uh, we encourage them to stay at the frontier and so you'd have opportunity to come by and, and bless them. Okay, next uh, we'll give our attention to Brother Sam who will bring us a message. I'd like to thank you all for coming out this morning. It's a blessing to be here. Special welcome to the Johnsons coming all the way from Minnesota. It's good to see you. And Vanessa from Ontario. Other visitors, family that are here, it's, it's a blessing to have you here. I feel a little bit like a, uh, a spiritual uncle to these young people. I... Uh, Enjoyed sitting with them for almost a year, most of a year, and 
in instruction class. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. I, I trust they did as well. And uh, to have it uh, finish up with a baptism service this morning is a real blessing to me. I've entitled the message this morning, All Wet for Jesus. Most of us have experienced a high time in our life, experience where we really felt uh, good about what had happened to us. Maybe you received a diploma, you got the job, the wedding day finally arrived, the baby was born, or whatever highlight in your life that was, a high time, an emotionally high time. And you knew that it was a marker in your life. I like to think of Jesus in his baptism some 2,000 years ago. I don't know if you thought about that, but even for Jesus, the baptism that he it went through was a high, highlight in his life. Jesus consented to be baptized as a sign of his commitment to God and to the work that he had for him. He was making it known that he would walk the way of the cross and that he would follow through on what God is asking him to do. The Bible says that after he was baptized, when he came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and the Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I think it was a highlight for Jesus he received his aff the affirmation of his father and he received the strength that he needed to go on into ministry. Can you imagine that? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he received that affirmation. He would need that affirmation in the days ahead as he would be tempted by Satan, as he would be opposed by those who opposed his ministry. He would need that affirmation. But he was committed to move forward. He was committed to move forward. And I was thinking especially of these young people who made this statement today of, of baptism. You know, they're going to need that affirmation as well. That marker that they can look back on. You're going to need that because Satan is going to especially tempt you. I warn you. You're going to face some special temptations in the near future. Satan works that way. He worked that way in Christ's life. He will work that way with you. But you can be strong. And I trust that you will be. Baptism is a, is a commitment. We are all in. We're all wet. We got wet for Jesus. The first Baptist that we know of in the Bible was John. He was called John the Baptist, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. I want to read the first 12 verses there. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, as a somewhat of a basis for the message this morning. We'll be going to a few other passages as well. What is baptism? Reading from Matthew 3, verse 1 in the New International Version. In those days, John the Baptist came 
preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abram as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I wish I could have been there for that baptism that John was doing at the Jordan River. He was a prophet, a reformer, a person you would not soon forget. People came from miles around to see John the Baptist, to listen to him, and to be baptized. Common people, little people, big people, religious people in their long flowing robes. Something drew them out here to listen to John preach and to be baptized. They felt a need to come. What can we learn from this baptism that John was performing there at the Jordan River? Why do this? Why are the Why were these young people baptized here this morning? What does it all mean? What are you saying in being baptized? I have a few points that I'd like to make, central points to the message this morning. The first one is that baptism is a statement of personal choice. When you receive baptism, you made the choice to be baptized. And we believe in what we call believer's baptism. Someone doesn't make the choice for you, you make that choice. Your parents don't make it for you, no one else does. In the Jewish culture of that day and in the covenant that God had with Israel, the little boys were circumcised when they were eight days old. That was the ritual that established, was established through Abraham and that these little boys would actually become part of the covenantal relationship that he had with the Israelites. Eight days old, they received this, this ordinance, this, this uh, ritual happened. And the religious Jews that came out to listen to John the Baptist had that in their mind. They thought, we are Abraham's children. When we were eight days old, we were circumcised and we are part of God's family. And they were thinking in their minds, what's all this that John is saying? We are part of God's people. We have been there. We are, we are okay. We can receive God's special blessing. And I think John stepped all over them when he said, look, 
what you did, what happened to you at eight days old doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. It's nothing anymore. He said, hey, look, look, here's some stones. God could out of these stone make, stones make good Jewish people. He could raise out of these stones children for Abraham. That doesn't mean anything. What, it, what you need to do is repent. What you need to do is turn from your wicked ways and in repentance receive baptism to show that you are now a part of God's real family. I know there are some churches today that would baptize children at eight days old called infant baptism. And some, some of the more formal liturgical churches would do that, Catholics and others. It's not scriptural. It's not the way that you want to baptize because that little child doesn't know what's happening to them. That little child has not made a commitment to follow Christ. That little child doesn't know that he's lost. He cries, he eats, and he does other things. But he doesn't know that he needs Christ. And it's not a testimony. That's not believer's baptism. So, first point that to the message this morning is that baptism is a statement of personal choice. These young people here made a personal choice to follow Christ. And they, this morning, showed us that through making a statement in baptism. The second point is that baptism is a statement of life change. Life change has happened. Life, your life is not the same. I invite you to turn to 1 Peter 3. Book of 1 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 18. I want to read a couple of verses there. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Baptism is a statement of life change. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, by the, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to Him. John urged people to repent and turn to God, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. These young people here today, Hannah and Charity and Michelle and Corwin and Clayton, all have a testimony, and you heard it, of repentance, of life change. They have confessed their need of salvation. They have confessed sin. They have turned from sin, and they have trusted Christ for salvation. When we are baptized... We take a clear stand before everyone that observes the baptism ceremony. We are aligning ourselves with Christ. We identify with Him in His death. We identify with His resurrection in a new life and the resurrection power that comes with that new life. By faith, we claim the power of God to change from being servants to sin and Satan in our old allegiances, as Brother Rich shared this morning in the opening. 
We, we now give ourselves over to God's control. We are God's servants, and we have changed and are continuing to change through the power of the resurrection. Does baptism save us? Well, Peter says in the passage that we just read that it does. That baptism does save us. And, but he hurries on to say it's not the physical washing that saves us. It's not the water that Brother Leon poured on your head this morning that saves you. It's certainly not. But it is the answer of a good conscience toward God. It is an answer of a good conscience. The obedience of faith that saves you. On the other hand, if you continue in disobedience, will you be saved? No, you won't. Think about that. It is a statement of personal choice. It is a statement of life change. Number three, baptism is a statement of obedience. A statement of obedience to the command in Scripture. Baptism for these young people today was not all that difficult. They were in a friendly setting. I know it was a little nerve-wracking to be up front here and to answer these questions and to give a testimony. But it was very friendly. Their families are supporting them. A church is here for them. And Brother Leon is very kindly and a, a thorough gentleman. But it's not always that way with baptisms. Uh, Fred Marks, he's a pastor, tells the following story. He says, Sometimes back, he, sometime back a retired missionary dropped by our church. She had served faithfully in Africa, and one day she happened upon a small baptismal service. Fellow missionary took three new converts to the shallow center of a shallow river and dug a hole in the sand so there would be enough water for the baptism. Even then, the new believers were forced to sit in the sand so there would be enough water to cover them for the important ceremony. The missionary telling the story saw what she'd expected. A few friends and family members gathered to watch, and the missionary in the river raised his hand, repeating familiar scriptures before baptizing the converts. When the first convert came up out of the water, he began an excited and joyful time of shouting. The quiet service was silent no more. The second convert did the same. The final convert also came up from the shallow water, shouting for joy. Afterwards, the missionary watching the process asked about the unusual tradition. Why all the shouting? The missionary who baptized says, I haven't, I haven't been able to completely communicate in this tribe's language. They heard the scripture I gave them, but they didn't understand the symbolic nature of it. When I told them that they would be buried with him through baptism into death and raised to walk in newness of life, they actually thought baptism would kill them. We chuckled as we heard the story until the missionary froze us with her gaze. Let me ask you a question, she said. If you thought baptism would kill you, would you be willing to get in the river? These Natives in Africa thought they would have to die. Baptism itself is not that scary for us. But it is, nevertheless, an act of obedience. We are obedient in baptism. Now let's listen in on a, a, uh, another sermon in the New Testament. Peter is preaching. 
There's huge crowds listening. If you would turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter is preaching the Pentecost sermon, the sermon at Pentecost. Huge crowds were there. It was the message of the cross. The death and resurrection of Christ was preached that day in that sermon. Acts 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, there we have a baptism service. And if you thought this went on for a while with five young people up front here, imagine 3,000 being baptized that day. But the question was straightforward from from these people to Peter. What shall we do? What shall we do in response to this message? And he said, repent, number one, and then be baptized. These are responses of obedience. Repent first, and then be baptized. It's not very complicated. Repentance followed by baptism. Both are commanded. And 3,000 that day were obedient I think our response to the Scripture, to God, is, should be much like the Ethiopian official. When Philip witnessed to him and shared the Gospel with him, he says, uh, could I be baptized? Could I also be baptized? Philip said, yeah. You believe? We'll go ahead. And they stopped. And he was baptized there beside the road. Why do people not receive believers' baptism? Why are people not willing to receive baptism into a local body? I I think sometimes there's a lack of commitment out there to obedience, a lack of commitment to really following Christ. The Scriptures are very clear. It's not very complicated. Repent. Be thoroughly converted and then be baptized. And that baptism of course, brings with it a commitment. We follow this command in baptism today in obedience to the Scriptures. Number four, point number four, baptism is a witness. That's what it is. It's a witness. These young people that were baptized this morning are witnessing to all who observe of their taking their stand with the people of God. It's a public event that gives evidence of one's commitment as a disciple of Christ. The congregation gathers to support, to encourage, to affirm, and to renew a shared commitment to live in light of the gospel's claims in our lives. When we, one comes for baptism, we as a whole church community reaffirm our identity. Together we promise to learn, grow, and encourage one another. It's a witness. It's a public confession. 
I was preparing this message, I had to think about our forefathers as Anabaptists. Most of us come from Anabaptist tradition, and, and, this, and the Mennonite church is, was founded by the Anabaptists, Menno Simons. The Anabaptists were willing to die for proper baptism because they believed in a believer's baptism. It was against the law in Zurich, Switzerland, in, in, in Switzerland to be baptized as a believer. They said, okay, you were baptized as a child. Don't you be going being rebaptized like this. Don't you do it. It was the law of the state. Don't do it to receive believer's baptism. Well, some of the people there became so convicted that they wanted to follow the scripture that they were willing to die. Felix Mons was one of those. Felix Mons was taken out into the Lamont River, was tied up, and a pole thrust through his back arms, and he was thrown into the river and drowned because he wanted to follow Scripture and baptism. It's a witness. M.R. Dehan, Dr. Dehan put it this way, he says, in the early days of the church, baptism was a declaration that the believer was definitely identifying himself with that group of people who were called Christians and were despised and hated. To be a Christian meant something. To identify yourself with those who were called Christians meant persecution, maybe death. It meant being ostracized from your family, shunned by friends. And the one act which was the final declaration of this identification was baptism. As long as a man gathered with Christians, he was tolerated, but when once he submitted to baptism, he declared to all the world, I belong to this despised group. And immediately he was persecuted, hated, and despised. In baptism, therefore, the believer entered into the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. A person might be a believer and keep it strictly a secret and thus avoid unpleasantness and suffering. But once he submitted to public baptism, he had burned his bridges behind him. He puts it well. And even in some cultures today, I'm led to believe in the Philippines is one where there's a, the, the predominant religion is that of Catholicism. And when someone goes to an evangelical church, a Bible-believing church, and attends there, they're tolerated. They're, it's, it's okay. It's fine. But when they publicly receive baptism, the persecution steps up. It is a witness to all that I am now identifying with this group. And that's what you've done here this, this morning, young people, is you've identified with the local church, with the universal church and also the local church here in being part of that. The final point to the message this morning, point number five, is that baptism is identification with the body of Christ. It really is. When you are baptized, you are identifying with the body of Christ. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. I want to read just a couple of verses there. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. 
whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. We're baptized into one body. When we're baptized, we are baptized into the body of Christ. One of the things I'm observing in, in our culture, and it's, it's come into our Mennonite culture and into evangelical culture, is that we don't want to commit to something. We don't want to commit to a local body. We don't want to be members of the body. We will attend, but we don't want to be members. That's a curse. I'm going to speak very frankly about that. It's a curse. Because baptism is a commitment to the local body. It's a commitment to the local body. It's been called a hitchhiker mentality. It's your vehicle. You buy the gas and pay for the insurance and maintenance. And I will ride with you as long as I feel like it. If you start asking me to commit to anything, I'll get out. Baptism is a commitment to the local body, to the universal body and to the local body. It involves commitment an effort to be identified with a body. It involves speaking into other people's lives. It involves discipline. The body, life is a huge subject and I don't think I can do it at all justice this morning, but it is in God's intention that as we come forward and identify with Him in baptism that we also identify with the local body. I, I feel strongly about that. How can you speak into the lives of your brother and sister as the Bible intends if you're not part of a local body? The scripture says in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as he would a pagan or a tax collector. It's very clear that there must be a local body a local body membership that you can be a part of and that you can uh, identify with. There is security that way and accountability. There is an inside and an outside group. And I, I understand when you come into a community that you may not immediately want to join that church. You want to spend a little bit of time worshiping there and, and getting to know them and, and so on. But I think a life that is spent all forever that way is not a commitment. It's not a commitment to the body that Christ wants us to have. How can we know who our leaders are? Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. How can you know who your leaders are 
if you aren't part of a local body. I'm not responsible to Billy Graham or John MacArthur or even John Koblenz the way I am to local leadership here. That God designed for a local body to be a function. And as a leader in this church, who am I responsible to discipline? Who am I responsible to go out and discipline, to talk to, out of concern in my heart? Who am I responsible to? Just everybody that's around? No. No, clearly not. Clearly there is a body, a, a responsibility in the local body that exceeds the greater body, that is more specific to the local body. Listen to Paul's words when he was talking to the Ephesian leaders. In Ephesus, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. You young people, as you joined the church, universal, and the local body, you are more responsible and the local body is more responsible to you. We are in this thing together. We are a body. The, the analogy of a body is, is so strong. It's so powerful. Think of this just a little bit. This was a little startling to me. This is, a, this is from John Piper. He says, can you imagine a Christian attaching himself to a local body but not wanting to be a member of that body? Can you imagine that? This is not original with me. Can you imagine a Christian attaching himself somehow to a, a local body and yet not wanting to be a part of that body? The analogy is pretty stark. We become a part of that body. We become members of that body. I am committed to this local body. That's one of the commitments I have. I am committed to it, to this local body. I want to speak into your lives. I want you to speak into my life. I want to speak into the lives of these young people. I want to be a, a, a resource for them, a, a, a person that they can, that they can uh, come to for a resource and someone who feels responsible for them. I want them to share, to speak into my life. I want them to be a part of my Christian experience, to, to speak to me prayerfully and carefully and concerned. Because Christ is our head. Christ is our head, and we are part of that body. Baptism is a huge step. I am blessed by having experienced that this morning, to have been here. It's a joyful time. I, I, was, I was a little emotional sitting back there watching these young people receive baptism. I was a little bit emotional because I, I see that as a, a huge step, a, a beautiful thing in their lives. To wrap up the message this morning, baptism is a statement that is made by those who are believers. It's a personal choice. It cannot be made for us by others. It's called believer's baptism. It's a statement of personal change. When I... And baptized, I want to say that I am not the same as I was. I have, I have received Christ. It's an act of obedience to the Scriptures, even though it may, in some cases, not be the easiest thing in the world to do. 
And it's a witness to all those observe. And it's an outward act that symbolizes our becoming a member of the body of Christ. The universal body and also the local body. We are now responsible for each other in this body setting. We care for each other. We hurt for each other. We disciple each other. It's a sobering thing, but also a very happy thing. It's a very happy thing. The scriptural precedent is so clear. There was no one in scripture that ever became a Christian except one that did not receive baptism. I think of one, and that is the thief on the cross. Everyone else was baptized and became part of the body of Christ. It's a beautiful, sobering thing. I rejoice with these young people here today. God bless you. God bless you very much. You have spoken into my life, and I'm happy for you. Thank you. God bless. We're going to turn the... Uh, Call, shall we call for a song, uh, Joe? And then uh, Sonny's going to close us. I wasn't quite sure what song to lead as a closing song. Um, we're just at the end of this service and uh, if you participated in it like I did and I think we probably most of us have and we did we participated not quite as much as these five young people on the front here but we've made commitments today the first one is is to God and so I'd like to lead that's the first song, I Would Love Thee, God and Father, number 372. And then I have one, another one that I'd like for us to sing together, a commitment to, uh, to the brotherhood. <clears throat> number 372. <clears throat> <clears throat> I would love thee, God and Father, my Redeemer.
As I've gotten older, uh, I've become more and more aware that there's several things about being a member of a, a local body like ours. And I'm, I'm very grateful for our, our brotherhood here. But there are, there are several things about being a member of a brotherhood that um, I've found to be true. The first one is that there is a sense in which, in the context of a local church like ours, that we experience the outpouring of the love of God in ways that we will never know on our own. And there's also a sense in which we experience submission to the Lordship of Christ as we commit ourselves to a brotherhood like this. And I'm really grateful for both of those things. Uh, number 
Well, this is a beautiful morning. Uh, started out beautiful. I, I was up early, not by my choice really, but to take care of dairy cows and went to work this morning and the moon was, let's see, would it have been just been coming up? It was, it was, it was uh, the big silhouette of a moon with just a sliver along the bottom, just above the horizon, beautiful. And uh, you could tell there was, you could tell there was lots of frost, even in the dim light later in the morning then when the, the sun was coming around, uh, just white with frost and on the, what would, would have normally been a bleak winter landscape was beautiful with white frost. And this has been beautiful here this morning, uh, the beauty of youth and the beauty of faith and beauty of family around the youth and friends and uh, the innocence, innocence of youth. Actually, I was, I think it was during the baptism, I was thinking, do these youngsters know <laughs> they're going to go through hard times? And, uh, but glad to hear they already talked about, uh, in their testimonies, they talked about struggles they've had. And, but Jesus is seeing them through. And uh, I assure you, you've made the right choice to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, you'll be tempted and face wind and storm and fire uh, in your life, temptations. But... Uh, Jesus will see you through. And I want to encourage you to love, his, love him with all your heart and to love his word and love to put it to practice in your life. Think, think a lot about how to put Jesus' teaching to practice in your life. And uh, the great thing is you, you don't do it on your own. You, you have friends and family, but more than that, you have uh, his Holy Spirit to empower you to live out his teaching in, daily, in your daily life right with your friends and acquaintances every day. And, uh, so let's all, the encouragement is for all of us to love Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, and strength and to love his word and to love to live it in our lives. Uh, encourage you to stay at the front and Many of us could want to come give you our well wishes. Let's stand to pray. Father, I do thank you for this lovely day and more. I thank you for Jesus Christ, your, your uh, lovely son. And uh, thank you for your provisions for us to know him, to know him as our Savior and our Lord and our example. And, uh, oh, Lord, that we'd all grow in, a, in, a, in experiencing him uh, uh, every day in our lives. And so I pray you'd bless everyone present today. And especially I want to pray for Hannah and, and Michelle and Charity and Clayton and Corwin. I pray you'd bless them in their lives. They would grow in faith. And uh, they would be, you would use them in your kingdom. Pray that they'd live out the principles of Jesus' teaching in this world among their friends and acquaintances. 
We thank you for this day. Thank you for the teaching we've heard and pray we take it to heart and, and live it in our lives. Pray you'd bless us now as we part. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.